So we're going to jump into the series today called Jonah, and uh, the book of Jonah is in the Bible, and it's not maybe a book that we look at a lot, Uh, so we're going to jump into that. You can find it in the Old Testament, and I encourage you, you know, we've been preaching uh, and on purposely been sticking in a scripture uh, this year, and I just felt like God wanted us to get our roots into the word and uh, find our life and hope in the word. So when we're preaching on, uh, we, uh, 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 through July, we preached on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I kept encouraging you, be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't just hear it at church. <laughs> Make the effort to be in the word and connecting with Jesus and how he's speaking to you. Uh, in uh, June, we preached uh, the book of Philemon. Uh, for a couple of weeks, I wished we could have stayed there a little bit longer. Uh, and, and again, we, I encourage you, when we're preaching out of a book, be reading it. Be reading it. Ask the Lord to speak to you. To, ask him to speak to me, too, <laughs> or those that are preaching, uh, bringing the word. And then all, uh, this month, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. And we are excited to have a number of our leaders participating in the preaching through the month. Uh, and so you're going to get a treat uh, on Sundays as the word is being brought. So we're just going to jump in this morning. You know the book of Jonah. I wanted to say one thing about the book of Jonah. Uh, Jesus, you can read about what he thought of, of uh, Jonah in, the, in Matthew chapter 13. In fact, you know, Jesus believed the story of Jonah. He believed it was real. So you say, do we, do we believe that fish story, you know, some people have a fish story. They say, oh, well, man, I caught a, people come and they, t- they, they I don't know, they want to tell me about the 25-pound trout they caught. I'm like, man, 25 pounds, that's a big fish. I, I don't think I've ever really seen a 25-pound trout before. I've seen a 5-pound trout, and that's a big fish. And uh, so, but Jesus uh, referred to the prophet Jonah, and he referred to the story of Jonah. He believed the story of Jonah. He believed it was real. And uh, so when we're you're saying, Pastor Greg, do we believe that that's real? We believe in Jesus. <laughs> we believe in the Word of God, and we believe it's real. So that's how we're kind of coming at it today. So we're just going to read from the first chapter of Jonah today. There's four chapters in the book of Jonah. And uh, we'll just jump in. Hopefully we can learn a little bit. But more than that, I pray that our hearts would be soft to the Word and to the Holy Spirit. And that it would move us into a direction of following closer after Jesus. You know, we want to be abiding people. We want to be abiding people. And so let's start in verse 1 of chapter 1 in the book of Jonah. Be on the screen if you got it on your app or on your, in your Bible. Uh, you can follow along. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish. To flee from the 
Lord. <laughs> Some of you have fleed from the Lord, and you went, uh-oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> you know, uh, just a, a, um, a couple of things that I wanted to mention about uh, this book. One is the name of Jonah, when we think of Jonah, the prophet Jonah, uh, he's referred to as the reluctant prophet. <laughs> you know, that's a, one of the terms that they've come up with. You disobedient scoundrel. <laughs> Some theologian thought, you know, he was reluctant. <laughs> he was reluctant to be obedient. He was reluctant to do what God asked him to do. So he's known as being reluctant. Aren't, aren't you glad you're not the only one that's reluctant? <laughs> Here's a prophet in the Bible, uh, and he was known as being reluctant. And uh, also, the name Jonah literally means dove. Isn't that cool? Jonah means dove. When I think of a dove, in fact, we see the, the uh, dove uh, in the scripture in, in, uh, uh, in the New Testament, that a dove came as a symbol or a sign of the Holy Spirit resting upon Jesus. And uh, so we know that the dove is a picture of God's grace. It's a picture of God's power of his Holy Spirit, and Jonah was named Dove. Isn't that cool that Jonah was known as a dove? You know, uh, these days, I think we have a lot of opportunity for fear. Anybody ever notice you watch the news or you see something going on? Uh, what they, what, you know, what people use as a motivator to get us to do what they want is fear. And uh, I thought it was kind of cool that God chose the opposite. He chose, he chose a dove. He chose some grace. He chose something uh, that was the opposite of fear. Uh, fear is a motivator. It does get us to do things. But Jesus said perfect love casts out fear. And so he sent someone with love <laughs> on their name. You know, a dove. You know, I thought that was kind of neat. He was sending a dove. Uh, uh, Jonah's father, Amittai, that name means truth. Means truth. And if you're paying attention, Jonah was full of grace. His dad was full of truth. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Isn't that amazing how Jonah points us towards Jesus. The name Nineveh, uh, the city of Nineveh, was the capital of Assyria. And the capital of Syria, I thought it was really neat that the Lord uh, asked Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh. But the city of Nineveh was known for its sin. It was known for its, its uh, wickedness. It was known for its its uh, debauchery. It was known for its, its uh, violence. And uh, God referred to the city as a great city. You know what? I think there's hope for our city. There's hope for our city. God sees hope. He sees hope for the cities in the world. And uh, the 
thing about Nineveh is it was one of Israel's worst enemies. And Assyria were, Assyrians were, were violent against the nations around them. So in ver, verse 1 of chapter 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. You know, God's word is creative. God's word is, is uh, it's a creative word. I just love, I love when, uh, when uh, the word is preached. I love when, when people feel like they have a word from God or they, they've had a dream from God and they come and they, they bring the word. And I just love, I love that God's word is full of life. And sometimes it just is almost like it's like a key and it just like opens a door. And uh, there's that creativeness. It's just like, oh, that's what you want to do, God. That's how you're going to deal with this situation. Or that's how you're going how, how to uh, uh, change my heart, change my life. That's what you're wanting to do. And I just love that God's word comes and, it, and it's creative. God's word is a releasing power. It's a releasing force. It releases things that are locked up tight. We were praying uh, uh, before church in the prayer room, in church-wide prayer, and I again encourage you, let's not leave the prayer, men. Let's not leave the prayer up to the ladies. Huh? Let's be men that have power in our prayers. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man avail much. Are we leaving it up to the ladies? Are we leaving it up to the girls? Oh, that's women's stuff. Or are we going to be men that avail in our day? Are we going to live our lives for the things that matter? And I'll tell you, prayer matters. Prayer can be powerful. Prayer can change a heart. It can change a life. It can bring a release in someone's life that was stopped up. And I want to encourage you, men, let's be people of power. And uh, God's word is releasing. God's word is empowering. God's word is powerful. It's transforming. You know, God changes things with his word. There are men in church-wide prayer, by the way. Praise God for that. I'm not dissing the guys that are coming. We've got some great guys that pray. And uh, I'm just saying, let's just not leave it up to other people. God asks us to do it. Okay, so uh, God is changing things with his word. Man, I can just think back to times in my own life where the trajectory of my life changed because a word from the Lord came to me. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about that we need to dis depart from God's word, the Bible. But oftentimes I'll be reading the scripture and his voice speaks directly to me for my circumstance and my situation. And it just springs to life. Did it all through, all through, uh, the, word, all through the pages of the scripture he's done it. He's done it through the years of church history. And uh, he's doing it today. He's bringing release. I'd love to tell this story that one of our elders was on the highway. And uh, driving to catch the ferry. And he felt like the word of the Lord came to him and said, change lanes. Get in the slow lane. He's like, 
that's ridiculous. I'm trying to catch the ferry. I'm not going to get into this lowly. And that does not make any sense. But the Spirit of God came to him and said, move into the other lane. And uh, they kind of had a bit of a, a discussion. <laughs> and uh, finally, changed lanes. And no sooner had changed lanes when there was a car accident and cars started to pile up right beside his car in the left lane. Cars crashing into each other. And he uh, just kept on going because it was on his way to the ferry. And amazing. You can argue with God. But God can change things with his words. He can move things in a different direction. He can move things in a new direction. His word, uh, though, as we see in this story, requires obedience. You know, when God speaks... We have a choice, what we want to do with what he says. <laughs> These are the choices. It's pretty simple. Will we obey or will we disobey? Yeah, you guys are with it. You know, freedom, and we, we, put, we put a lot of into this uh, individual freedoms, and we should. We should enjoy our freedoms. We shouldn't give up our freedoms. We shouldn't give up our freedoms as Canadian citizens. We shouldn't give up our freedom as children of God. We have freedoms, but freedom without responsibility destroys freedom. Right? If you're just all about, I, it's my right to do what I want, <laughs> but you're not being responsible, it will actually destroy the very freedom that you have. And so when God speaks to us, we have a freedom. <laughs> we have a freedom to be responsible. <laughs> and uh, we can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. And uh, we can try to decide what is best, uh, not by what God asks us to do, but by what we prefer. And God, when he speaks to us, is not asking us what we prefer. He's telling us what is best. And Jonah, in this story, thought he knew what was best. He preferred something else. And he thought he knew what was best. And this brings us to our first point, that God will often ask you to do things that you don't want to do. <laughs> you know, when God asks you to obey him, it's not always going to be, oh, good. <laughs> oh, I can hardly wait to do that thing because that's what I've been hoping for. No, God will often ask us to do things that we don't want to do. He said to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me in verse 2. Jonah didn't want to obey because he knew Something about Nineveh. So let's not be too hard on Jonah. He knew something about Nineveh that maybe we don't know. About Assyrians. The Assyrians were a brutal people. And they were to be feared. They used fear and intimidation to control the world around them. They were a violent force. 
you know, they, uh, stories of Ninevite, uh, Syrians and Ninevites were that their armies were so feared because they would rape and murder women and children. They would torture the men that were left, skin them alive, bury them in the sand in the desert, and make them suffer and die agonizing deaths. Then they would cut their heads off and use them as forms of fear and intimidation to the world. Isn't that amazing? And we've seen that in our day, haven't we? We've seen the power of fear and brutalization. Man, we see millions of people in the world trying to escape Syria and some of these Middle Eastern countries where fear and force has been used to intimidate people. And they're escaping into Turkey and into Greece. You know, in the refugee camps of Greece, I've heard it said, the children that are born in those refugee camps will live their whole lives and they will die in those camps. Isn't that amazing? Man, when I heard that, I wept. And the Holy Spirit said to me, that's a place I want to bring hope. That's a place for the church. But he didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't say, go build a building and a stage and chairs and all that. No, he meant bring a place where people can gather and encounter me in my word. Counter me in my, as they gather and worship. And they can receive hope and strength. Even in the face of great triumph or tragedy. So Jonah, he would have known this about the Assyrians. In fact, he would have hated these people. He probably had friends or relatives that had been subject to their brutality. You know, sometimes people don't deserve mercy and forgiveness. It does not look like they deserve it. It doesn't look like they deserve God's grace and his kindness. <laughs> but God was sending Jonah to forgive them as he had been forgiven. You know, Jonah, Jonah was a man who had encountered the grace and goodness of God. And that's what God asked from us. As you've been given grace, as you've been given forgiveness, as you've been given mercy, you extend that to others. I know what your word says, Lord, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to love that person. I don't want to love that neighbor. I don't want to be kind to that brother-in-law. I don't want to pray for that teacher. I don't want to... Be generous with that boss. I don't want to. I know what your word says, Lord. But do you know what they're like? <laughs> you know what? Yes, he does. <laughs> he does know. He does know. You know, uh, I appreciated Brian encouraging us to bring off gifts of offerings and tithes. And we, because we, so many of us give online and and it's so convenient and everything. And we've kind of got out of the habit of bringing gifts 
and so on. But I wonder how many times have we heard an encouragement to, to bring our tithe, to bring our first fruit. You know, our first fruit means that, that what we receive first, we bring to God first. We don't bring him the leftovers. <laughs> you know, he asked for us to bring uh, from the first a portion. And what that does is it, it points our heart towards him. It points our worship towards him. It points our, uh, that we trust him. It points that we, uh, we don't just say you're good, <laughs> but we, we actually get out our wallet and we say, you know what, God, you've been good and I trust you. I'm giving you from the first. Because I know there will be a second and a third and all the rest will come. And this month is going to happen because, God, you've been good. And we know how to handle God's resources. We know it belongs to him. We know it's a worship to God. We know it's a faithfulness to do it. It shows that we trust him. <laughs> but how many times have we said, yeah, we know, Lord, what you want. But I don't want to. <laughs> Pastor Greg, why are you bringing this up? <laughs> why are you bringing this up? Why are we saying, because I'm just saying, this is just an area. You know, as a church, are we going to be people that say, we will obey. We will put you first. We are going to say, when we're given the choice, when we hear God's word, that we'll either obey or will disobey. You know, has God spoken to you about something? Lisa gave this opportunity, this gracious time in the service. And I just love that. I love the song that came, you know, that Maley was singing. Uh, There's no one else. There's nothing else. You're my one thing. Man, what a great declaration in our hearts. There's no one else. There's nothing else. You're my one thing. You're what I choose. <laughs> but, you know, we're all going to be given the choice. <laughs> are we really going to do that? Are we really going to really pursue Jesus? Is he going to be no one else but him? Nothing else but him. Are you going to be the one thing? Has he spoken to you about something? I know what I should do. I know what I should do. But are we going to add on the, but I don't want to. <laughs> you know, when I say uh, the title of this message is the Jonah in us, you know, there often is a little bit of Jonah in us in this way, that we can hear the word of the Lord, we can know the word of the Lord, but we're given the choice and we can choose whether we want to or not, just like Jonah. Erwin McManus says that a sign of Christian maturity is the time that it takes from when we hear God's voice until the time we respond in obedience. How long does it take? <laughs> That's a sign of your maturity, your spiritual maturity. Jonah said, I don't want to give. I don't want to go there. God, you must be mistaken. There's, there's good reasons. Maybe you got good reasons. I don't want to go there. But whenever God says something you don't want to do, here's my second point, you can always find a boat sailing 
in the wrong direction. Huh? Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. In verse 3. You know, God said, Jonah, I want you to go east, which I think is that way. Go east. And Jonah said, I'm going west. (laughs) He was going west. In fact, when he went to the port and bought a ticket uh, for Tarshish, he was buying a ticket to go as far as you could go in the then known world. (laughs) It was about a 2,500 kilometer journey, which would have taken him about a year to get there. Wow. You can't go any farther than that. In Jonah's mind, I'm going as far away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be released from God's uh, word. The reality is you can run from God, but you can't hide. You know, the psalmist said you can go to the far side of the sea. You can go to the depths. You can go to the heights. But you know what? You turn around, and there he is. He's with us. Not to judge us, but he's with us because his mercy and his goodness, his grace is with us. Eventually, things are going to catch up to you. Maybe you're not running literally. (laughs) If there's a little Jonah, you're relating to this little bit of Jonah in you, and you've jumped on the boat going the other way. Maybe you're not running literally, but you're just not obeying what you know God's asked you to do. If you're doing nothing, we preached about this a few weeks ago, then you're drifting. And when you're drifting, you're drifting in the wrong direction, right? You're coasting. You start coasting downhill. You don't coast uphill. You don't coast upriver. You go down. You know, when we decide to miss Meeting as a church, when we decide to miss prayer, times of prayer, when we time, decide to miss reading our Bible, we can think, you know what, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm here. I worship God. I, I believe in Jesus. But are we drifting? Are we just coasting along? You know, when the word of the Lord comes, we might intentionally run. Or we might unintentionally start to drift. You know, Jesus said, if we're going to be fruitful, we need to abide in him. Right? And abiding takes intention. Being in the word. You know, it's amazing. If I don't open my Bible and begin to read, it just doesn't happen. There's, if, if we're not intentional about pursuing Knowing him and hearing his voice, it doesn't just happen. If we're not taking times to pray, if we're not taking times to memorize the scripture, if we're not taking time, and praise God that you're here and online worshiping God today. And I'm not saying these in judgmental ways. I started this message on purposely mentioning that Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? So this message is coming with grace. It's co- because it's coming to me too. 
<laughs> and I need the grace of God more than all of us. Believe me. And, and uh, Jesus encouraged us to pursue him, have lives of worship, uh, be listening in our prayer times for his voice. And uh, I want to just encourage you that if we're not being intentional about pursuing him, about abiding in him, then the chances are very likely that we're drifting and we're drifting away. If it's not willfully disobeying, we could be unintentionally drifting. And I want to just caution us. Let's be cautious about how we're going through our summer. You know, I've heard uh, different ones say, you know what, summer, we're going to take extra time at the lake. We're going we're to take extra time with our family. We're going to take extra time to, to rest and be refreshed. And you know, all those things sound really great. But are we intentionally pursuing Jesus? Because that's where our strength is going to come from. That's where our fruitfulness is going to come from. Are we, are we intentionally taking time to worship him and to put him first? Are we intentionally taking time to be in the word and to love his word? Because if we're not, the chances are that we're drifting. And uh, what the things we can say that sound really good can actually be the things that draw us away. And this is when, number three, God may send a storm to grab our attention. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, such a violent storm that rose up that the ship threatened to break up. This is in verse 4. So the, the sailors on the boat asked, whose fault is this? Who's brought this on us? And uh, so in, in uh, that time, what they would do is they would draw straws. They would, what the scripture says is they cast lots, which would be similar to, you know, rock, paper, scissors, or that kind of thing, you know. They have, you know, straws, you know, shorter the longest, and whoever draw the shortest straw, aha, it was you. <laughs> and so they did that very thing, and guess who drew the shortest straw? It was Jonah. <laughs> and God was grabbing his attention. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them even further, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so in verses 8 through 10. You know, Jonah identifies one of the challenges in the church that people call themselves followers of Jesus, and it can even appear that they're following Jesus. And even they take time to be in worship. As Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew and I worship. <laughs> I worship God. But their lives are not following the ways and the words of Jesus. They treat their families bad. They stir up strife at work. They're selfish. They're unaware of the people around them. You know, they judge the poor. They judge the homeless. But they then say, yeah, I, I worship God. <laughs> I'm a Christian. We know God says it, 
but we don't want to do it. You know, I was spending time with someone yesterday who Carla and I love very dearly. And uh, I didn't know. They were going through marriage challenges years ago. Never told a soul. They're in worship here. They've moved away. So don't worry about it. You don't know who they are. Don't try to figure it out. Didn't tell anyone. We worship. But at home, it wasn't like that. It was hell. And now their marriages hit the rocks. I just want to say, are we going to obey the voice of the Lord? Are we just going to pretend that things are okay? Are we just going to say we worship? We're Christians. We're, everything's okay. We'll be okay. Well, what was happening in this story is the sailors started to throw their stuff overboard. And I was thinking about this couple. One of them could have come and said, you know, I need help. But instead, they were throwing their stuff. They were doing whatever they could to cover it up and just get through. How many times are we just covering stuff up? Are we just trying to get through? And I just want to encourage us. You know, sometimes we're trying to cover up the storm, make a way. You know, someone's going through a storm, but we're trying to make it calm and Oh, we'll make it so the ship can make it through. God said, I want their attention. Don't be the sailor that's throwing everything out of the boat. You know? Let's allow God to get their attention. (laughs) Right? Sometimes the truth needs to come to the surface. Are you trying to save someone that the storm was sent to deliver? The storm was sent as a way of deliverance. It's amazing, this story, too, uh, that Jesus referred to the story of Jonah as e- even in his own life, his own death, burial, and resurrection. You know, Jesus could have been delivered from the storm he was in. I love the old song. He could have called 10,000 angels. <laughs> he could have saved himself from the storm. But he allowed himself to go through it because it was the storm that was sent to deliver us. Pick me up, he said, and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. And I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you, Jonah 1, verse 12. And the last point today, and I'll close with this, Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Jonah 1, 15 to 17. You know, when I was younger, God had called me into ministry. And I argued with God about this choice (laughs) that he gave me. (laughs) And I went to college. I was studying uh, electronics. And uh, I was 
not doing good. My path of disobedience was not leading me closer to the Lord. Huh? I don't know if you, any, any of you can relate. And uh, I came to terms with this after about a year and a half. A year and a half, I argued with God about this. <laughs> and uh, I remember the day that I decided to surrender and to go to Bible school. And uh, I remember the day that I was going to pack my car, and I went outside, and someone had slit my tires. Sometimes we think, it's going to be so easy to be obedient, to follow the Lord. And uh, then about a month later, I remember being in a class. I was telling Quentin the story the other day. And one of my teachers named Marcel Carpenter came into the room a few minutes late for class. And he said, we're not going to have a class today. The Lord wants to deal with someone's heart. And I knew it was me. <laughs> the grace of God came to me in my storm. The grace of God wants to come to you in your storm. You know, the Bible tells a story about two sons. We know the story as a prodigal son. And one son said, I want what's mine. And dad said, you know what? I'm going to give you the choice. And we know the story of the prodigal son. And the dad stood at the road watching and waiting and believing for his son. And that's how God in this story is, waiting and watching for us. Is there a little Jonah in you? Don't be condemned today. Be rejoicing that the Father has a heart of love, heart of grace, a heart of mercy, but also a heart of truth that we have to face. <laughs> and we need to come to him in repentance, in softness of heart, in surrender of heart. And so I'm going to ask as we're ending the service today that you would stand. Worship team's coming and we're going to sing. But man, we want to respond in this service. We didn't come just to learn today. We came to pursue God and know him more. And this is one of the ways that we can do it. It's just allow our hearts to respond. So Lord, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace. And also thank you for your truth. Thank you that you've been speaking to us. Thank you that you've been highlighting to us where we have been given a choice, where we've been given a choice to follow you and where we've resisted. Lord, you've shown the little Jonah in us. And man, we don't want to just walk away and say, well, that was nice. Lord, man, we want to we make the course correction. We came for the service today, but you came to deal with our hearts.
hearts. And so, Lord, we just soften our heart to you this morning. And if you've got something going on in your life, God is being gracious to you. His Holy Spirit is here to minister to you. He's drawing you. That, that, that battle you feel is him, in his, him placing his finger on that, and he's inviting you to deal with it. Lay it down. Man, you know, repentance opens a door to acceptance. Don't, don't let the enemy lie to you that if you admit to God you've made a mistake, he's not going to love you. No. What he's going to do is he's going to open a door of acceptance and opportunity, not just for you, but for the people around you. Man, they're going to rejoice. They're going to be excited even. Say thank you. Thank you, Lord. So just come, sweet spirit. And I just encourage you. I just encourage you right where you're at, just to have that conversation with the Lord. Just tell him. Just tell him you're sorry. Tell him you've been on the run or tell him you've been drifting and you're just knowing that you want to make the change today. You want to make the change. You want to make the course correction. Not going to Tarshish anymore. (laughs) You know, Jesus died so that you don't have to. (laughs) You can be forgiven. You can be set free. Man, just come, Lord. Come, sweet spirit. Come and deal with our hearts. In Jesus' name.